hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains. From sea to shining sea, this is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday. Friends, today's Torch Report 270, talking about a very astounding and unexpected connection. You are not going to believe what I found, but first, have you heard? Oh, no! They him. <laughs> oh, friends, I'm sure you heard that the uh, J6 committee subpoenaed Donald J. Trump for the purpose of uh, maliciously disseminating false allegations of fraud related to the 2020 presidential election. And they subpoenaed him uh, because, you know, this this time we got to get him. He, he It was insurrection. It was a violent insurrection, all that kind of stuff. The whole show was uh, was just rewriting history in real time. But this subpoena was actually dated uh, back October 21st, 2022. So just, you know, a couple months back. And just for giggles, if you haven't already, I put the link in there. You can enjoy reading the full 10 pages of accusations about his supposed historic misconduct. You know, but I want to point out here, no man has been more deeply groped by the deep state investigators than Donald J. Trump, which makes this headline today from CNN all the more mockable. You know, January 6th committee drops Trump's subpoena as it winds down. But wait, what? How could they be dropping the subpoena? I mean, they had caught him red-handed this time. There was no way he was going to abscound again and get off with this violent insurrection. <laughs> How could they be dropping the, the subpoena? I don't even know. I can imagine some snowflakes' heads exploding when they heard the news. And I thought Trump's witty response was uh, worth quoting here. He was out on his truth social and he says uh, he was just advised that the unselect committee of political thugs has withdrawn the subpoena for me concerning the January 6th protest of the crooked 2020 presidential election. They probably did so because they knew I did nothing wrong or they were about to lose in court. Perhaps the FBI's involvement in rigging the election played into their decision. In any event, the subpoena is dead, says Trump. And you know he had to relish that he had to just feel like <laughs> you bastards, you know, but Zoinks, he got away with it again. Right. So it, it's just friends. This is political theater at its finest. It's the perfect political soap opera. And as entertaining as it is to low information voters, I will not insult your intelligence here. The astute listening audience of the Torch Report. Uh, I'm not going to even tr- you know, attempt any analysis here. I'm not going to insult you like that because this drivel does not deserve the time. Instead, friends, we will now pivot to much more important things. Take, for example, the fact that the White House czar, <clears throat> I'm sorry, excuse me, White House COVID czar Dr. Ashish Jaha, the Tony Fauci fanboy and globalist schmuck who, by the way, along with Dr. Fauci, predicted with confidence that Trump was going to be pummeled by a pandemic before he ever set foot in the Oval Office. That's the guy, Dr. Jaha. He just made a, the, uh, the the most astounding announcement. He, he told the whole world, you're not going to believe it. Here's what he said. The, the COVID czar himself says, and I quote, there is no study in the world that shows that masks work that well, period, end quote. Cue the record scratch. You know, this guy, this guy, uh, you know, it's uh, it's unbelievable that they would actually come out and tell the truth, that they would change it like that and flip flop like that and not expect uh, people to get cerebral whiplash from the process. All those people that are hanging on every word of the science, you know, it's worth 
mocking, I think, the uh, the fact that brain dead Biden and his CDC cronies are still fighting to reinstate mask mandates on airplanes right now, even though Dr. Jaha, the COVID czar, is out there saying there's no study in the world that shows masks work. They're still fighting to reinstate mandates on airplanes. And uh, Representative Thomas Massey, guy out of Kentucky, he's uh, he's a very bright guy. He's got degrees in both electrical and mechanical engineering. He's invented technology that enabled people to interact with computers using their sense of touch and all this. I mean, he's a smart guy, and he's not being shy about calling out the hypocrisy of the CDC. COVID's are saying that masks don't work. Put a little a little image there in the report today, friends. If you're listening on a podcast platform, please. Know that you got to go to the torchreport.com to get all the goodies. And if you were there now, you would be seeing uh, a beautiful little picture here where. While Joe Biden and the CDC continue to fight in federal court to reinstate their mass mandates, Congress is posing for a spiffy little picture. Friends, put it all together. What do you get? You put the lime in the coconut, you shake it all up, and you get the clown world. It's un- it's unbelievable. Uh, but here's where it gets interesting to me. Because Thomas Massey is on the House Committee of tra- on Transportation and Infrastructure, and he's also on the House Judiciary Committee. And both of these committees are instrumental in implementing Biden's radical WEF-crafted Build Back Better agenda. Because one, the transportation and infrastructure have to go green in order to save the planet. And two, they will be testing the judicial boundaries in order to implement these unscientific and tyrannical policies, which makes me... uh, makes me happy to know that there are guys like Thomas Massey on the uh, committees to to help oversee that. Of course, he's being steamrolled by all the Democrats, but never mind that. At least he's out there but not the hypocrisy of it all. I expect more great things out of Representative Massey. Now, spending $1.5 trillion, friends, that's a big number. And this $1.75 trillion of taxpayer money is being used to incentivize companies to switch to the electric big rigs as part of a broad, broad push to get polluting workhorse vehicles off the road and out of neighborhoods. And uh, as you might expect, this, uh, is, this is already getting major pushback, you know. And we could set aside all the climate cult aspects of this and just realize that trying to force private companies to comply with this outrageously illogical agenda is destined to end up in court. So that's, you know, that brings me to the airlines and the whole Southwest Airlines debacle. I know it's kind of a, you know, a helter skelter to get here to this point, but this is where I want to get into something that just kind of blew my hair back. Okay. The aviation industry is frequently chastised as a major carbon emitter. You know, the, the, I put a link there in the article, the WF, WEF claims that if airlines were a country, they would be one of the world's top 10 polluters. And they forecast that aviation emissions could grow up to 700% by the year 2050. Think about that. They're looking ahead. They're like, oh my gosh, the airlines, they're, they're destroying the planet. You know, never mind our enlightened leaders flying around in their plush private jets. The real issue here is that too many peasants are trying to sprout wings. People want to go places and do things. Humanity has a penchant thirst for exploration, and they're going to have to do something about that. Of course, for the greater good in order to save the planet. You know, they can't be allowing all these peasants to just get on a plane and fly around every time they want, you know. 
And don't think for a second they haven't thought this one through. How are they going to stop this from happening? Because they simply cannot accept a 700% increase in emissions because right now we got to reduce emissions, you know, by 50% just to keep the polar bears from drowning. <laughs> and as you know, holiday travel is the busiest season for the airlines, right? Everybody's trying to fly here and there and go see their family and friends. And with thousands upon thousands of flights being canceled, I'm sure you've seen the headlines. It's all over the news. You know, it's the big thing. That's what's really going on here. With thousands and thousands of flights being canceled, there's no telling how many people have had their Christmas plans dashed against the rocks. You know, how many people have lost their luggage or got stranded far, far away from home when they should have been having fun with their family and friends? You think about all those people and then you think, well, how many of these people are going to be eager to travel next year? Right. I mean, ah, geez, if it was such a crazy, messed up, chaotic, you know, terrible, miserable experience, how are they going to behave next year? Now, think about this in the through the lens of behavioral change. What if attempting to fly from point A to point B simply wasn't worth the misery? What if you had to mask up to test negative, to agree to contact tracing, to be subject to quarantines, to present proof of vaccination to travel? That would put a dent in those pesky peasants, you know, creating all these aviation emissions, would it not? Can we connect the dots here? People would voluntarily fly less often. The public would adapt. Society would change. And that sounds an awful lot like the adaptation agenda in action to me. But then what the hell do I know? I'm just an ignorant peasant. I'm just sifting through the grift, trying to make sense of headlines, like these headlines from the Drudge Report this morning. More travel hell. When will it end? You know, uh, police threaten customers for trespassing at the ticket counter. Airlines lagging tech investments causing chaos. The unions blast the leadership shortcomings. Now, I read that and I think, okay, police threatening the public. Yeah, maybe, whatever. You know, unions blasting the leadership. What do you expect unions to do? You know, airlines lagging in tech investment. Now, that's the cause of all this chaos. I mean, that's what they're implying here. And I, you know, how interesting. I find that very interesting. And when I first saw that headline, I figured I was, you know, I better check that out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it was going to lead me to some pitch for, you know, some AI-infused solution. Big tech was going to provide the solution, right? But what it actually led me to was something a lot more fascinating. And that's what I'm going to dig into the meat of what the message is today. But to, before I get into all of that, uh, there's a few points that need to be made about this whole airline debacle. Okay, uh, it, It's not just Southwest, though. Southwest are the ones that are really getting just thrashed in the headlines right now. Uh, first thing I want to point out is do not underestimate the impact of airlines forcing pilots to get the clot shot, which has caused an unprecedented spike in deaths among pilots all around the world. And the state, could, which, you know, the, as this news is coming out, I've seen reports as high as 1,700% spike increase and all this kind of stuff, Wh whatever. Uh, the state-controlled media has fact-checked all that away. Oh, come on, we're not really having pilots dying from all the getting the death jab, you know? Oh, really? Because then the second point I want to point out is that the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, has now implemented a 48-hour no-flight restriction on pilots who get the jab or any one of the endless boosters. So if a pilot goes in, he gets, i got to get the booster in order to stay up today. I get booster, I can't fly for 28 hours because I might fall over dead. You know, According to the federal air surgeon, if they experience any adverse effects during these 48 hours, these pilots can no longer act as a pilot in command or in any other required flight 
crew capacity, meaning you've got a bunch of people up in the air, you know, soaring along at 30,000 feet. And if the pilot goes down, you know, the plane goes down and it's just a bad situation for everybody. So they can't really risk that. So whether they want to admit it or not, I mean, they are admitting it here that, you know, these shots are causing problems. Now, third point I want to make out about South point out by the Southwest Airlines CEO Gary Kelly was a very vocal opponent of masking on planes. He's like, man, we can't make people mask up on a plane. They're worthless, not doing anything. And he was also against forcing his pilots to get this experimental injection. So here we have a CEO of an airline standing up and pushing back against the narrative. And in fact, Southwest pilots actually sued to block the COVID-19 19 vaccine mandate, uh, which was later rejected by a federal judge. All of this was going on. And now all of a sudden, you know, Southwest seems to be in a death spiral. And Trans- Transportation Secretary Gay Mayor Pete Buttigieg, you know, he's vowing to investigate. And, you know, I was looking into what is that? I, don't, I really don't like Gay Mayor Pete. But, uh, you know, it turns out in the last six months, he's been a busy guy because the Department of Transportation has gone after six different airlines, imposing millions of dollars in financial penalties on top of forcing them to pay over half a billion dollars in refunds to customers. And of course, you know, all of this probably doesn't have anything to do with the globalist war against airfare, you know, or the fact that certain airlines attempted to defy the science that was coming down from on high. I'm sure it doesn't have anything to do with that. So let's just zoom out. Zoop! You know, whenever I hear the word system getting tossed around, my ears perk up. Systems and processes, these are the terms that progressives use to code their efforts to centralize control. Uh, it's, it's all directly relative to collectivism, and it manifests in everything from biodiversity to global governance, but we're not going to get into all that right now. So Southwest is being heavily criticized for using the wrong system for their business model. Rather than using the globalist preferred hub and spoke system, like most of the other, the good carriers, you know, Southwest prides themselves on deploying a point to point system. And that allows them to avoid the complications that come with having a congested hub. And so fascinating, fascinating. You know, like, Luke, what the hell are you talking about? What are you getting at here? Where are you going with this? Well, friends, it just so happens that yesterday, In a completely unrelated course of inquiry, I had run into this hub and spoke phrase again. I was actually researching a local organic wholesaler, Azure Farms, that's now, you know, selling their, you know, premium organic products all across the country. But when I was reading through Azure Farms, I was looking at their history and all this kind of stuff. And there was this hub and spoke where they transitioned to this hub and spoke uh, system. Interesting. Now, in my mind... The fact that I had encountered the phrase, you know, hub and spoke when I was looking at your farms and totally unrelated, you know, one day apart, the next day I'm, I'm seeing hub and spoke related to the airlines that really piqued my interest. What's the history here? Where did this phrase come from? What, what, what's the story on the hub and spoke? And as I started getting into it, you know, at face value, it's simply a business term. Uh, if you get a little bit deeper, slightly more su- subtly, uh, it's a model of centralized control and distribution. Centralized control. Hmm. You know, my wheels started turning. So I got to look into this. I got to dig a little bit deeper. And you'll never guess what I found. 
friends, you'll never guess what I found. As it turns out, the hub and spoke paradigm permeates all aspects of society. Everything from commercial aviation to industrial distribution to bilateral alliances and international treaties between nations all around the world. There's so much there with the hub and spoke paradigm, but I just want to cut straight to the chase here in the interest of time. Within three degrees of separation, as I began looking into this, this hub and spoke paradigm, this system connects to centralized control, socialist utopia, communist revolution, and eugenics, and the UN's, uh, UNESCO's World Heritage Site. So it, it just, it connects everything together. And connecting the dots between efficient distribution, road networks, and urban planning. You know, I look, start looking at that. What there's some history there. And there's this Villa Radius. I'm not, I didn't say it right. It's the French for Radiant City. And it was designed by this French guy, French Swiss architect, Le Corbusier. Le Corbusier. I don't know. He, he designed this radiant city concept, this utopian socialist concept in 1930. And it turned out to be one of the most influential and, in fact, controversial urban design doctrines of Europe throughout the 20th century. A lot of things going on here. Le Corbusier uh, ultimately designed 17 different projects that are now recognized as UNESCO World Heritage Sites. And many of those are actually government buildings, which is just interesting to me. But despite all of the accolades, Le Corbusier, he remains a controversial figure due to the fact he has connections with eugenics, fascism, and the Italian dictator Benito Mussolini. And uh, by the way, Mussolini who is commonly decried as a fascist was actually a militant socialist through and through as I was digging into that just a little bit. But here we have, you know, if you were to spend hours digging through all of these connections, which I have, <laughs> and I can't spit it all out here. It just was tickling my brain. Like, ah, I can't believe this is happening. You know, what, what, what you would find is yourself, you'd find yourself trompsing from the Vatican to the Masonic Lodge. And from there, you would weave your way through the foundations of the United Nations and the communist Russian revolution. And ultimately, you'd find that all of these dots connect back to population control, Agenda, agenda 2030, and the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Friends, I find it absolutely mind-boggling. From Southwest Airlines to secret societies and the very future of humanity, this is certainly not what I thought I was going to find, which is why I found all of these connections to be so astounding, and I thought it would be worth sharing with you today, friends. This, this uh, unexpected information further supports my theory that the commies are taking over the world! <laughs> and that is the message of my heart for today, friends. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that heart. Click that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And above all else, the greatest honor of all friends is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.